Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, at a time when the city seems close to a boom in terms of economic development, it also faces challenges with that growth. I sat down with the city's director of development, Michael Stevens, to discuss the portfolio of the city's Department of Development, how the department works to improve the lives of Columbus residents, evaluating investments at a neighborhood level, how to maneuver the gaps between the needs of the city and the resources available, and how tax abatements happen in Columbus. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, Featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the episode. Sitting down here remotely with the director of the Department of Development uh, for the City of Columbus, Director Michael Stevens. Director Stevens, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me uh, join you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So first of all, give some idea of, of your background, what brings you to the Department of Development. Yeah, happy to do that. So I'm a Buckeye. A uh, couple times over, um, came out here uh, to Ohio to go to Ohio State and came back to get my master's in public administration. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was getting my master's in public administration, I had the opportunity to intern um, in local government for the city of Dublin. Um, when I graduated, I went up uh, northern Ohio to Lake Erie to Huron, and I was I ran their street and water departments uh, for a couple okay. of years. Uh, had the opportunity to come back to central Ohio in the Columbus area, which my wife and I love and her family's in this area, um, to be the director of economic development for the city of Dublin. Mm-hmm. I did that for about five years and uh, joined, um, left there to join Cardinal Health uh, and, and be part of their corporate real estate group. It was when you do economic development long enough, you have you hear from the private sector folks that tell you, kind of emphasizing how great private you know, business is and you know, how screwed up government is. And so I said, well, okay. you know, I'll give it a try. Uh, biggest bureaucracy I ever worked for. Uh, and when I had the opportunity to leave there and come to the city of Columbus uh, as their assistant director for economic, jobs and economic development, and then later deputy director for jobs and economic development, uh, I jumped at that. It, uh, okay. I as, as a Buckeye and uh, 
someone who loves Columbus, it was it was a great opportunity to and, and, and someone who loves local government local government management. It was mm -hmm. a great opportunity to to be kind of the forefront of what's going on in, in the Columbus area. Uh, spent five years with the city of Columbus in the Department of Development, went left to go uh, to Lake County, Illinois, which is just north of Chicago. So it's the county between Cook County and uh, the Wisconsin border. And I ran okay. a, an economic development not-for-profit, uh, really focusing on some of the same things uh, I was doing in Columbus about you know bringing jobs and investment. Uh, really enjoyed that, but missed being in Columbus. Had the opportunity after Mayor Ginther was elected uh, and the city won the Smart City Challenge, had the opportunity to come back as the chief innovation officer for the city of Columbus uh, and mm -hmm. really lead the city's portion of the uh, USDOT Smart Cities grant uh, and be part of Smart Columbus, which was a great opportunity. Uh, my family loves Columbus. I had a daughter who was starting at Ohio State that fall. So coming back was a, a, a tremendous homecoming. And I got to tell you, in the five years I was gone, the amount of change that occurred in this community and, and the investment that was being talked about when I worked here the first time and was made by the time I got here was it was tremendous. So really feel like I'm, I'm blessed to be back at the city of Columbus at a time that is really critical on how you know, the next hundred years in Columbus are going to be. Uh, we successfully delivered the USDOT grant. Uh, and during that time, Steve Shoney uh, left to become city manager of Upper Arlington. Mm -hmm. uh, Mayor asked if I could uh, serve as the interim development director, uh, which I happily said yes. And uh, then during the pandemic, uh, as we were addressing a lot of different issues that resulted from COVID, uh, he asked uh, if, if it was okay to remove the interim tag and asked me <laughs> something I was very much interested in is to, to be the director of development. So that gets us to today. That's great. That's great. And for those that aren't familiar, can you sort of talk about the scope of the department and what all falls under your purview? Yeah, uh, happy to do that. We've got a what the one thing I'm really proud about with the Department of Development, we've got a great team of folks working really hard every day on improving the lives of Columbus residents and making sure that the investments that are being made both on the uh, jobs and economic development side as well the housing side are serving all our residents and really there there's a, a focus around equity and opportunity and and wealth building that the department of development has a lot of um, impact on and the work we do is, is really critical to that so we're made up of uh, four different divisions uh, one is our economic development division that works closely with uh, one columbus and our re partners in the region and jobs ohio to uh, encourage investment in new jobs within the city of Columbus and really make sure that that income tax revenue stream that makes up about close to 80% of our revenue in the city uh, continues to grow and, and stay strong. Because that's really important for those services that our residents rely on, whether it's mm -hmm. police and fire, refuse, um, our recreation and parks program, you know, those general fund funded programs uh, departments and programs uh, is, is, is driven by that income tax revenue. So we have an economic development team that's out there really focusing on attracting jobs and investment. Uh, part of the economic development division is our small business group. And they're, you know, we really are ramping that up and, and making additional investment in 
their work to make sure those entrepreneurs and small businesses and neighborhood businesses and um, and some of those minority women-owned disadvantaged businesses have greater opportunity to grow here. Um, mm-hmm. our, our corporate leaders are important, but those small businesses and entrepreneurs we have uh, lifting up the work they're doing is really critical as well. So that's part of the economic development division. We have the housing division, which is focusing on those programs that um, are making sure people are in safe and stable uh, homes and, and that they continue to stay there. And you know, we've faced a lot of pressure over the last couple of years and we'll continue to face a lot of pressure around housing um, and the work that they're doing, the programs that they're implementing both through local dollars and federal dollars are really important to help people stay in their homes or mm-hmm. help projects be built that uh, deliver pr- uh, pr- uh, apartments and homes that are affordable and, and we can maintain that affordability. So our housing division is on the forefront of that. Uh, the planning division is is the group that engages with our community and, and develops those neighborhood and community plans on where do we want development to occur and how do we want it to occur. So it's really important that you have a good mix of residential, commercial, retail, and and how that land use falls into place. So that's that's our, and, and then we have a number of uh, commissions, whether it's the Downtown Area Commission or Historic Resources Commission and, and others that are staffed by our planning uh, team. And got a great planning team that is um, focused on how are we gonna grow strategically? How are we gonna grow up, not out as much? Mm-hmm. Um, so fortunate to work with them. Uh, and then the, the last group that uh, division we have is our land redevelopment office. And they're, they're our land bank. And so back at you know, 07 and 08, when we had a lot of vacant and abandoned properties, they would work through the tax lien process and acquire these homes. Um, some homes would have to be demolished. Others were, were in good enough shape that they could maintain them. And, and so they've managed those properties, but now they're in a situation where we're selling those lots or we're selling those ho- homes and seeing redevelopment occur in some of our opportunity neighborhoods to make sure that we're um, providing uh, home home ownership choices and, and rental choices through these properties. Uh, so they're playing a critical role in how we address housing in our community. And then there's one piece that I, I don't want to overlook. It's, it's a really important piece is a lot of the city's human service contracts are managed mm-hmm. through development in our human services work. So uh, working with our partners at CSB or Michael Corey at the Human Service Chamber and, and, and those members of his chamber and the funding that we, we provide through this uh, city dollars and, and past couple of years through CARES dollars and uh, rescue plan dollars is, is managed by the team, the human services team here in, in development. And they are for the human services specifically, they are mostly administering those dollars rather than administering the programs. Is that correct? That that That's correct. And, and that's a okay. really good clarification, Tim. We don't have that subject matter expertise. So we, we're working with those partners out in the community who are delivering those services and making sure, you know, that the, the funding that they're getting, you know, we're holding them accountable that they're doing what they're saying they're doing. Um, and then there's some on the federal dollars, there's always reporting. So they're, they're managing those contracts and, and that funding stream. Right. And that's a needed, I mean, that's the accountability piece, right? Yeah. So with 
economic development, housing, planning, and then land redevelopment. I assume that those individual, do you refer to them as, uh, they're not departments, they're divisions, is that correct? Correct. Okay. I assume that they are not working in a silo, right? Like they are not, uh, they each have their own initiatives, but I imagine that there's some virtue in the housing person, excuse me, the housing division talking to the land redevelopment division, right? Can you talk about some of those synergies that you you're trying to create there within the department? Yeah, that not only within the department, but within the city with other departments, you know, that cross-functional coordination uh, around efforts to, to address some of our bigger challenges as a community. But so we asked the team and, you know, I, I wrote, wrote, ran through the different divisions, but we, you know, we mm -hmm. have an office of the director here where we have a, have some real good senior leadership. Uh, we have a housing uh, strategies, assistant director for housing strategies. We have an assistant director for growth strategy. And then our administrators are running their divisions. That coordination between mm -hmm. say housing and economic development, or economic development and, and our land management or land redevelopment group is really important because there could be opportunities where we're attracting uh, a business or investment that there might be some land that we have in, in a neighborhood that could be part of the economic development deal, but also mm -hmm. get investment in jobs in some of our opportunity neighborhoods. So, um, you know, I like to refer to them as a team. And I, I think that the leadership we have of these division at the di division level is doing a nice job coming together and working as a team and coordinating. I know I meet with them on a weekly basis. And, and the purpose of that is to, to understand what's going on outside of each division and kind of more of a global perspective. Um, and I'll, I, feel strongly that's part of my role is to kind of see that bigger picture and making sure that the different connections are being made because mm -hmm. a lot's being asked of these teams and, and they're running fast. And you know, my job is to make sure there's the connection, not only within the department, but other departments and other stakeholders outside the city organization. Absolutely. And can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you're seeing right now that are maybe different from when you were with the city before? So I was with the city before during the Great Recession. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges now, but these are great challenges to have. When we weren't getting investment, we were, were having trouble attracting jobs. Uh, now we're, we're getting a significant investment, not only in the city of Columbus, but throughout the region around new jobs and opportunities for our residents. Um, so what, what the growth pressure, challenges around the growth pressure really focus on the big, my biggest concern thing I think about every day is housing is hmm. we have we're creating about two new jobs in this region and and only building about half a house for each of those two jobs so the, mm -hmm. that, the, the house the job to house ratio is 2.47 that's significant that is providing a lot of pressure on the cost of homes and affordability i mean it's it's a, a market thing right it's a supply mm -hmm. and demand um, and what we're finding is those residents who, after the Great Recession, you know, we, we talk about about 70% of our residents have, you know, came back and, and came back stronger and, and had a, some economic success, but about 30% were left behind. And what we're seeing is they're starting to catch up to where they were before the Great Recession and then the pandemic hit. Hmm. And when when the housing market tightens, it it's makes those individuals who have struggled uh, 
less housing secure. And, and you know, or, and what they're doing, what it, that means is they're paying more than 30% of their income for housing. And a lot of mm. them are paying more than 50% of their income for housing. You know, our housing strategy is using different tools to make sure none of our residents are paying more than 30% of their uh, income on, on, on housing. Um, mm -hmm. So that means there's tools around the bond package that voters approved in 2019, a $50 million affordable housing bond package. We're using those dollars to help support low-income tax credit deals, which are projects that um, are providing homes and, and, and residents to individuals making anywhere between 30% AMI and 80% and AMI. To, to put that in perspective, that's an individual making somewhere between 27 and 65, $70,000 a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, families of four, it's a, it's a little bit higher, uh, but it's still, um, I mean, it, it's, it's the, those individuals, whether they're healthcare workers, barbers, um, real estate agents, others in our community in these jobs, that, that's who these jobs are for. So those low income are those, those homes that we're trying to protect and protect that affordability for those individuals who are working in our community. Uh, so we're using that, the bond package to fund, uh, get, provide gap financing for those projects to make sure they happen. A couple examples of that is yeah. uh, we are working with Homeport and they're doing a project out at Easton, um, the Easton Place Homes, which is going to have, you know, initially... 50 affordable units in Easton and, and those, those light tech projects really serving folks that um, can work and live and, and experience Easton and, and be there and make it affordable to them. Uh, downtown Topiary Park is being developed by um, the CDDC, Downtown Development Corporation. Uh, that's 98 uh, affordable housing units and they broke ground on that a couple weeks ago. So. I mean, these are the type of projects that are, are providing ho homes that um, are, are residents that are affordable for those, those members of our community. Mm -hmm. That's great. And then that focus is obviously super important. And what I'm realizing now is that you were part of a previous administration as well, being the Coleman administration. Can you talk about, I've talked with Steve Shoney, for, who's now with Upper Arlington, previous director can you talk a little bit to what you've seen as different focus areas that the city is really focusing on i think probably the the most dramatic change is we're really going into the neighborhoods and thinking about what type of neighborhood investment can be made mm -hmm. and 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 what type of mixed-use development can occur there so when i say mixed use i'm talking about is there a component around housing? Is there a, a, a jobs component? Is there a retail mm -hmm. component in these different neighborhoods? Uh, we have two great plans that our Department of Neighborhoods led. Uh, we have the, the, the One Linden Plan and the Hilltop Rising Plan. And those are two communities and neighborhoods that unfortunately had over the years had not gotten a, a level of investment uh, commiserate of other parts of our neighborhoods, our, mm -hmm. our, our city, I should say. So that that focus on investing in those neighborhoods, uh, you, you, we opened up a new Linden Rec Center. Uh, we spent a lot of time with the land, looking at land bank properties and, and housing and what can we do to encourage more jobs and investment in uh, housing in Linden. Hilltop's mm -hmm. uh, 
similar. You know, we look at the demographics of the individuals who are living in Hilltop, where, where, where they have opportunities to uh, pursue jobs. In the last couple, uh, six months, we've done a number of incentives for some projects over uh, adjacent to the Hilltop that, you know, it's, we call it proactive industrial development. We have a huge demand for some of these industrial warehouse space that is paying, you know, $20,000 more a year than what the average annual income is in the Hilltop. So we're putting, okay. we're incentivizing projects close to that neighborhood. So those residents have an opportunity to um, work in close proximity to where they live, make more money, uh, and have some job training and, and some growth, professional growth with those opportunities. So that's how we're focusing uh, our investment strategy through incentives and, and infrastructure dollars uh, per the lead of, of Mayor Ginther. It's, we want to go into these neighborhoods and continue to invest in these uh, opportunity neighborhoods. For those that don't know, and frankly, I am one of them, we talk a lot about and hear a lot about those incentives, right? And what we're talking about here is tax abatements, if I'm not, if I'm correct. That's one of the tools, correct, yeah. Okay. So is it your team who's identifying, working with uh, the private sector and saying, yeah, I think maybe we can offer you this if you're willing to make a commitment to build here, stay here, generate X number of jobs, and that's part of the agreement. You then are making a recommendation to council, you know, could you vote on this and approve it, please? Yeah, so that that's exactly how it works. Our, our, okay. economic, our economic development team works with those individuals who are looking to make investments and add jobs to the city. And we talk through, you know, what kind of gap exists between um, the in, in the project. So, but for that incentive, the project wouldn't happen in Columbus. And so we use those tools to close the gap, but it, it's more about incentivizing opportunities for those residents like in the Hilltop and mm -hmm. looking at, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time looking at the demographics on how much are they making, how far are they driving to get to work, uh, what other barriers are there to wealth building that exists and how can we use our incentive tools to encourage investment that are, that are in proximity to a neighborhood like the Hilltop and, and those jobs and make sure we're, we're investing and incentivizing jobs that pay considerably more than the average annual um, wage mm -hmm. that residents in Hilltop are, are earning. So we want, and that also helps address the affordability issue around housing. If we right. want to pay more than 30% of your income on housing, if we find a way to opportunities for you to earn more money, the percentage you're paying on housing is going to go down. Um, so that it's they're not mutually exclusive when we talk about economic development and we talk about housing it's there's a, mm -hmm. there's a real connection there how does that conversation start from a incentive perspective is it you guys are identifying gaps and there's some sort of request for proposal process is this a uh a, the private sector comes in and says hey we're thinking about coming here here's what we're talking about is this appealing to you and could I please have some incentive? So a lot of it where it starts and um, it's those locally, um, we work closely with One Columbus and they have a very okay. robust pipeline of projects that, that they are uh, and prospects that they are working with throughout the country. And mm -hmm. as those companies or developers identify, let's say parcels or, or property that 
meets their criteria, mm-hmm. then we get engaged and and try to understand what they're what they're trying to accomplish. You know, how much how much are they going to invest? How many jobs are going to be part of that investment? How much are they paying on on an average average basis? What are they doing to train and attract their workforce? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 understand that, and then understand the, the impact of that investment to our revenue stream as a city. And then we we try to identify the gap because it, it's a competitive process. So we're not only are we competing with communities throughout Central Ohio, but we're competing competing with communities across the country. And right. we try to identify what's the gap between making this project work that the specific project in Columbus versus another finalist they're looking at. And we try to close that gap um, through incentives. Uh, typically, it's not the full amount that the the private side is looking for. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we, we come to that and we, we look at all that and then make an offer. And then we work with city council to bring forward legislation that authorizes some type of incentive agreement based on those inputs that, you know, the, the number of jobs, the investment, uh, the commitment to workforce and, and the community. And then, count, you know, council, um, I, I'd say they have a very um, robust and vigorous uh, vetting process on that. It, it, you know, we, we talk about it uh, at our briefings. It, it's mm-hmm. something that is addressed at city council. Uh, and then they make clear what their priorities are. And, you know, we, we don't bring forward projects that don't make a significant enough investment or don't pay enough. Uh, they're not mm-hmm. going to incentivize. We incentivize our public policy priorities, and that's around good paying jobs, workforce training, as well as uh, contribution to the community. And I was my ne- and you touched on it a little bit, but I just want to ask for, for the naysayers, what is the accountability mechanism for They've promised, let's say it's 100 jobs. They've promised 100 jobs. And after the predetermined amount of time, they're not fulfilling it. What is the the mechanism there? Is it that they signed an MOU at the beginning that they're not fulfilling? Or how does that work? So as part of our, our incentive agreements have a reporting requirement where they, you know, they have a certain number of years to ramp up on the hiring. And every year they need to report that to us. And then okay. we have a tax incentive review council that meets annually that reviews each and every incentive and 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 the commitments behind them uh and if they're falling short uh the council sometimes asks staff to go the tax incentive review council asks staff to go and and engage with the company to understand you know if the commitment was 100 jobs and they're only at 80 Mm -hmm. why is that um and then at times, if they, they aren't living up to the commitment, aren't paying the wages that they said, then the Tax Incentive Review Council would recommend that we um, dissolve the incentive. And then that goes to, you know, the, the, uh, the overall recommendation from the Tax Incentive Review Council goes to city council uh, within, I think, 30 days of the Tax Incentive Review Council meeting. Council then... Can, puts it on their agenda, discusses it, and either accepts the recommendations or or, or not. Uh, historically, they have accepted the recommendations. And then okay. if a dissolution is part of that recommendation, then we'll follow up and bring legislation specifically to dissolve that agreement. Um, what we have found is 95% of our deals exceed their job projection number and their investment number. Uh, okay. Some that don't, we, we work with and others uh, we, we've dissolved. But 
the majority of them are, are performing and, and exceeding their commitments. Gotcha. Anything else that's right over the horizon for you in terms of what the department is taking a look at? We're really trying to figure out this return to work and how the pandemic is impacting uh, how people are working and, mm -hmm. and are they coming? It, there's going to be a big push on getting, coming back to downtown and we're, we're at a point where the the, the level, the rate of infections has, has decreased significantly and it's safer to be in, in environment and working together. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, how are, how are people coming back downtown? How are we encouraging them to come back to downtown and other job centers into the office? Mm -hmm. And then how do we make sure that those other supporting type of uh, businesses, whether it's restaurants or other, you know, are, are they still viable enough that you know, what, what makes downtown vibrant is having the people here and being not only be able to work here, but to go and to eat and, and to hit, you know, go to the plays or, or hit one of the theaters. And mm -hmm. um, it's really important that we see more and more people coming back downtown. And we're hearing from the, some of the, our businesses that that's what they want to do and, and their employees want to do that. So I'm encouraged that we're going to, while hybrid, managing that hybrid kind of structure is going to be important in the next couple of years. Um, being in the office is, 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 is going to be a critical part of that. Got it. I end these interviews the same way every time. And I think your, your answer uh, will be an interesting one is I ask, what do you believe Columbus is doing really well? And then followed up with what is Columbus not doing so well or could do better? I think what Columbus is doing really well and has done well for a really long time is, is we're an open welcoming accepting city uh and we continue to do that especially in, in the in the larger political environment across the country these are challenging times i think mm -hmm. columbus stands out and it's it's openness uh and i think that has resulted in us attract continue to attract jobs and investment so clearly i think we're doing that well and, our, and, and we have some great partners uh where we could do better is mm -hmm. as a region we, we need to come together and figure out how do we continue to encourage uh, more housing growth and more housing investment. We're, we're about 60% of building, we're only building about 60% of the housing capacity that we need. Mm -hmm. So as we review our housing, our zoning code, as the city reviews uh, different tools it can use to encourage more investment in housing, uh, our neighbors, our suburban uh community neighbors need to be looking at that as well. And, and we mm. need to approach this as a region to address our housing needs. And, and that, that is something that uh, can, we can always do better on. Got it. Director Stevens, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite development professional. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.